Welcome to The Inner Room, a study where we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the instructions and examples they provide to learn mastery of our emotions, to guide us in our spiritual journey, to learn to pray, worship, and listen to God's will for our lives. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and I welcome you to this inner room. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the inner room, Emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas, or your comments. Thank you for joining us today. The Gospel reading is Matthew 20, the first 16 verses. And the parable that Jesus gives us today is that of a landowner that goes out at different times of the day, at dawn, at nine, at noon, at three, at five, and invites people to come into the vineyard. And to each of the groups, he agrees to pay the daily wage, even though they're going to be working different amounts of time. So the parable talks about fairness, which is similar to what Ezekiel's reading was talking about, that the shepherds were not being fair because they were using resources only for themselves. And here are the sheep hungry and misguided and lost and forsaken and, and really looking for a shepherd. Here we have a landowner and the unfairness comes from knowing that some are going to work more hours than others, but all of them are going to be paid the same. So what comes out of that is a feeling of unfairness that makes these people, especially the ones that are called first, to grumble. And that connects to our idea of guiding our emotions and learning how to navigate our own grumblings in our hearts and our own senses of unfairness. How fair is this moment where if we are moms listening to the podcast, we have a lot of activities related to the home now related to the work of the kids, where everybody's on top of each other. We have to be cheerleaders. We have to be teachers. We have to be cooks. We have to be, I'm even a hairdresser these days. Um, so our actions and our roles are different. If we are, if you're not married and you're listening, uh, you might have a, an incredible sense of loneliness uh, working from the house and not having people around you that you can connect with. If you have roommates, you might be feeling the sense of overwhelm that the kitchen table now has three or four people that are working together from one location and that there might not be enough spaces to focus or to go away and, and recharge. So whether, whatever your state of life is, it is, there are going to, going to be challenges because we are in a new situation that we are not used to and we can grumble about it. Jesus says, in the middle of this, there is a vineyard. There's a vineyard right here in the middle of the loneliness, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the noise, in the middle of the uncertainty. There is a vineyard, and God is calling us into that green, verdant vineyard, and he wants to give us with generosity. He wants to give us with generosity that we come into that vineyard where he will tend to us, where he will anoint us, where he will nourish us. We just have to decide that we are going into it. And that vineyard is in our midst, is inside of our hearts. God wants to speak there. 
Sometimes it is we are very lucky that we have a garden and we can go out and enjoy it. Except, of course, in the part of the world where I'm at right now, it's at 105 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's very, very hot. So there's almost no one outside because the heat index is incredible right now. So then you are also looking at the beautiful garden, but you can't quite go in it. So everything points out to us that we have to go inside, that we have to find that vineyard, that green pasture inside of our hearts, which is where God wants to speak to us. So as we ponder the thoughts of how do we allow God to shepherd us? How do we allow him to guide us? How do we allow him to be the one that tends to our hearts and our needs? Let us pray together. Father, it's a time for ends of things and beginnings of things. As always, we come to you with our thoughts and our grumblings, with our concerns, with our hopes and our dreams and our joys. And we ask that you guide us, that you align us, that you take us to green verdant pastures in our hearts where you can give us your grace so that we know that we are enough only in you, that even in the midst of chaos or loneliness or grumbling, you've got us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want, is one of the favorite psalms, I think, of all of the 150 of them. It is one that is read in so many different settings because it has graphic imagery, but it's also very endearing, and there's also something very strong about it. I was part of a Bible study, and it was assigned to me to read and learn about Psalm 23, and it was a very enriching experience because I learned that King David creates this psalm according to, I, I looked at rabbinic texts to see what, what, what was said about it in kind of a Hebrew translation. And it is thought that this psalm was written by David when he was actually in hiding in the forests when King Saul was persecuting him, trying to kill him. And it is such a placid, such a kind of verdant image that we have about sheep and, and, and greenery and beautiful lakes of water, pools of water, and that we lay there and the Lord restores us. That to imagine that he was writing that in the midst of a situation of persecution and war and fear gave me great encouragement because now when I read it, I read it in the middle of where I am right now, which is a lot of uncertainty, uh, quite a bit of chaotic energy going on because everybody's starting and doing things in a totally new way. And in my case, there's a lot of teenage energy that needs to be directed where they're seeking community. They're wanting to create uh, connections. They're very athletic uh, bunch in my family and there's no sports. So how do we guide all the energy that we've got? Where do we find verdant pastures? There's really not a desire to lay around anymore. Everybody wants to do something different and new, and we have a little bit more of the same thing. So the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. Starts with an appeal to God as somebody that is out there in uh David is talking to an audience where we hear him say, he is my Lord, he is my shepherd, he guides me, and I am walking through the valley of death, but I fear no evil, 
because he guides me, he gives me courage. And then at some point, David turns directly to God and speaks directly to him. You spread a table before me in the sight of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. That is the movement that is helpful in our prayer to know that when we are addressing the Lord, we can address him directly with our fears and our concerns. How amazing that David writes that in the middle of such turmoil. Can you and I write the same kind of beautiful lifting of our souls to God in the middle of our own valleys, whatever those are that are difficult, knowing that he wants to be our shepherd. He wants to guide us through these collapse of home, school, and work that we are going through and allow us to feel his presence and to be our strength and our courage. And when we feel that there is darkness and lockdown and difficulty, he wants to be right there. If we lift our eyes, we can see him. Let's go to the gospel and see what Jesus uh, teaches in a parable about the kingdom of heaven. Once again, in the prophecy by Ezekiel chapter 34, the first 11 verses, we have the sequence where the Lord comes to the prophet and gives him a mission. And this mission is going to be hard once again. Never an easy mission for these prophets. You're going to prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. And then God oftentimes will give specific words. And the message of the Lord is woe to these shepherds who have been pasturing themselves instead of pasturing the sheep. And that means they have taken things into their own hands. They're no longer listening to God. They're using the material resources for their own good, for their own nourishment. And they're no longer attending to the spiritual needs of the people. So the prophet receives the call first with a mission, very succinct. Then he's given the words to say. And then we see the prophet in action, going into that field of work that God has assigned in speaking those words. And then oftentimes, once those words have been spoken, we have a reaction from the audience. So there's always this sort of sequence to the prophetical word. And in this particular case, we see that God kind of speaks with a crescendo. You know, these happen and they've done this and they've done that. And in the end, he says, I will save my sheep, that they may no longer be food for the mouths of the other ones. I myself will look after and tend my sheep. That's the kind of tender, merciful God that we have. So let us come to him knowing that he is the great shepherd, that he is the one that is going to guide us to green pastures. And in the midst of all the difficulties that that are happening, can we see that they're happening for our benefit? Can we see that they're happening to realign us to truth and essence inside of our own hearts? We have to simplify in order to move through another fall where work, school, and home have collapsed. We have to simplify. We have to delegate. We have to trust. We have to trust our kids to do more maybe than they've done. We have to trust ourselves with our teams This morning, I had a number of phone calls with a new team I'm a part of in London. 
the schedules are different, the times are different, and my girls started school. We're coming out of summer in their testing classes, and we have all these things to buy, and there's new routines for online learning. And we are planning on my son, who is departing for his first uh, semester at Yale, and there are all these prep preparations and needs. And the other son is trying to figure out how he sets up for thesis. It's his last year in college. So there are all these beginnings, and some of them are beginnings of ends, and everybody is trying to adjust. And where are the green pastures of our homes, of our schools, and of our works? God is wanting to use this particular field to create something new, a new awakening, a new understanding, a, a new connection at a deeper level with him because there's no way we can do this alone. We have to rely on each other. We have to rely on God and we have to trust that this is happening for our benefit. So isn't it comforting to hear that the Lord has done this for thousands of years. He is ready to look after us. He is ready to be our shepherd. Invite him, ask the Lord, be my shepherd. Nothing better than Psalm 23 which is the second reading. Let's get into that. Let us take heart. In the first reading for today, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, God tells us that he himself will look after us and tend us as his sheep. And in the gospel for today, which is from Matthew 20, Jesus tells us, you too go into my vineyard. Let us ponder today, what is our vineyard? In this moment, uh, school begins again. We're all home working and schooling our kids. And our vineyard looks so different than it did last year when we began this season. In the U.S., the schools start early in August, in the South particularly. And there's kids that have been in school for a while already. What is the vineyard? Oftentimes we might have thought of the vineyard as our workplace or the places where if it's a school and we are teachers, that's our vineyard. If it is our family, that's the vineyard. But right now the vineyards are all collected and connected and our roles and responsibilities have become much more integrated and we are being asked to function in completely different ways. Our homes are functioning as schools, homes, workplaces, so the vineyards look very different. In the reading, we see that there is people that are calling to this uh, vineyard that are grumbling, and they are also envious. And a lot of feelings come up for us when we are in uncertainty. Our brain looks for a way to either fight what we don't know, uh, to become certain about it, or to flight because we want to get to a state of certainty by getting out of what seems complex or intense or difficult. And Jesus comes to say, I am with you in the middle of it. I am with you with generosity. And he's always nudging us to a new understanding of life. In the last verse from the gospel of today, he says, the last will be first and the first will be last. That means that the order of the world, the, the way that things appear in the physical realm are not the way that they appear in the spiritual realm, that those things that we are aligning as our priorities are not necessarily the way that they get aligned 
in the kingdom of heaven. And this parable, again, is meant to nudge us, to realign us, that our thoughts and our feelings about fairness in the world are not necessarily the way to look at the events of our life, that we have to learn to ask better questions. Let's take a look at the first reading. 